0: Chump, oh, I'm talking to you. What? What? You deaf or something? Talking to the fucking air. My name ain't Chump. It's Billy Hoyle. <laughs> Billy Hoyle. Billy Hoyle. Billy Hoyle. Okay, Billy. Now can you count to ten, Billy? Yeah. Good. What's the score, Billy? I don't know. Then you're a chump. I Maybe mean, a chump. I just said that wasn't my name. <laughs> Your ass in. Fuck you.
1: you can put a cat in the oven, but that don't make it a biscuit. Pool sceners, shed your warm ups because it's time for tip off here in Pool Scene Podcast Arena. In your starting lineup on microphone is myself, Kevin. Also starting on microphone is Jim. Kevin, I'm thirsty. Uh, I won't bring you a glass of water. Oh, you supposed to. I don't want you to give me a glass of water. If I say I'm thirsty, I want you to sympathize with me that I'm thirsty. That voice is making me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, the basketball theming is because we are covering a long overdue movie from our wish list. 1992's White Men cannot jump not at all white men can't jump white men can't jump was written and directed by ron shelton who we have raved about in the past shelton wrote and directed tin cup that we covered season three episode four shelton was also responsible for writing and directing bull durham blue chips the Great White Hype. He wrote the screenplay to Bad Boys 2 and basically all stuff right up our alley. If there was ever a uh, a pool scene podcast movie, it would likely be written and directed by Ron Shelton. I totally would agree. Who would have thought the amount of movies
2: that he's done and like what you said during when we watched White Men Can't Jump again, the soundtrack, it's just so Ron Shelton. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: It definitely has a style. One of the weirdest facts about White Men Can't Jump, and Jim, you'll appreciate this. All right. One of Stanley Kubrick's favorite movies. I read that. I'm like, of all things, I can't imagine Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, you know, from 2001, A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Eyes Wide Shut. He really either liked Pick Up Basketball or Rosie Perez. I'm thinking of doing a sequel to 2010. I think Stanley would love if I did it. Can't blame him either account. If it was the pickup basketball, Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, or Rosie Perez. Now, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes had to pass a sort of basketball test in order to be cast in this movie. They had to play six days a week and work with NBA coaches after they were cast. Which is crazy to me. By the end of filming, their basketball instructors had said they reached a skill level to be able to start for a Division Three level NCAA <laughs> team. Gee. Which tells you how difficult it truly is. You can't just pick up a we're,
2: sport. we're not making fun of people that play division three. No. Hell, we'd be happy if we played middle school ball.
1: Yes, but you cannot just pick up a sport like that. You, can. you, you know, there's a reason that pros are different. And I was, you know, I was in some men's soccer leagues and stuff where I always thought I was pretty good. And then it's like, no, nah, I'm not very good. These guys are, are good. And these guys aren't good. And I did that one season of indoor. Yeah. <laughs> Me and you. Yeah. You get around guys who are legitimately like pro level and you're like, okay, there, there is a big difference.
2: And there are legit ballers in this movie. Legit ballers.
1: So this movie was supposed to have a sequel and a television series, but Ron Shelton went on to successfully sue 20th Century Fox for withholding profits from the movie. The 1997 lawsuit, which rightfully returned about $10 million to Shelton also killed the sequel and television plans for the franchise. Jim, please tell us how this performed when the 10 million was still included in the (laughs) profits of the movie. So please tell us how this performed at the box office, along with news and number one, at time of the release
2: this came out on march the 27th 1992 to a 31 million dollar budget which seems quite large for the time but if you look at it kadeem hardison number one tv show in a different world
1: Woody I, Hel- harrelson I number I get one show feeling he might have uh i don't know I, I don't know how much he got paid but this might have been in the can by the time he took off it might I'm, have been a time i'm I not thing. thinking wesley got a ton no, i mean he came off of new Jack. Guys, yeah he came off nothing much and i mean basically this movie was responsible for launching these guys so i don't think and like woody harrelson was like the seventh guy on cheers yeah so i don't think the the money was tied in the the
2: jeopardy license maybe kind of ridiculous but it made 91 million dollars at the box office damn yeah not super successful but pretty yeah. damn good sure. the number one toy in 1992 at this time was all a part of a television show that was a nightmare for parents and a nightmare for me later on with my two god nieces barney specifically the talking barney was the number one toy in america at the time
1: really i love
2: you Fuck you, Barney. That was the number one toy. Exactly how it goes. I <laughs> know yeah, it would have been a lot better if they did it. The best movie rentals, according to Blockbuster Video, are...
0: Blockbuster Video. Wow. What a difference.
2: We talked about this last week with our friends at Midnight Movie Night. Did it with Skin Deep with us, by the way. It was so good. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And a movie that we covered, Point Break. So those were your top three movie rentals at Blockbuster? What was going on at the news, Kevin? President George H.W. Bush, Bush 41, apologizes for raising taxes after pledging he was not going to. What a shocker. Read my lips a politician that lies to his constituents. Don't believe it. First time everybody marked this date down, the first time this has ever happened in the history of the United States of America. Never happened before. On the other side of the coin, Kevin, Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton won all of the big states, all the southern states, during Super Tuesday, all but wrapping up the Democratic nomination for president.
1: In the name of the hardworking Americans who make up our forgotten middle class I proudly accept your nomination for president of the United States
2: He went on to serve two terms and was the last president to leave office with a surplus and a blow job to tell you The little rock saxophone freak himself Crazy Willie everybody and we had a computer virus just show up out of nowhere Called the Michelangelo virus. Computer owners around the country snapped up virus killing software today as the Michelangelo virus designed by pranksters nears its trigger date tomorrow. The road program could destroy data and otherwise disrupt computers. They're spread by contaminated disks or over the phone from computer bulletin boards or other sources. But the Michelangelo virus raised some hell.
1: Most famous virus of all time, probably Trojan. Trojan virus is pretty bad. At the time, like in the early nineties, all these movies started introducing the idea idea of computer viruses they always had fantastic names i love it it's the
2: best however one thing that wasn't a computer virus but was a virus to most movie watchers
1: hudson hawk yeah, bruce starring willis.
2: bruce willis bruno himself won big at the 12th golden raspberry awards so i'm
1: very fascinated i've been hearing a lot of ads for the Haleywood podcast Hollywood. yeah so bruce willis stopped living in hollywood and went to like idaho really yeah there's a whole podcast about it. it's like right now a phenomenon that everybody's listening to that's fucking nuts. But I, I usually never... I, I usually wait to binge it because I don't want to listen. I don't want to wait weekly for the new episode. So basically I've been waiting for it to finish so I could uh binge it. Okay. I'm gonna have to check that it's just hosted by Bruce Willis. No, it's not hosted by oh, Bruce Willis. Oh, I thought it was it's about him. Oh,
2: okay. Just about his life?
1: About yeah, him leaving Hollywood. Uh it's Haley, Idaho.
2: Haley, Idaho. Yeah wonder if that's anywhere near Cordellane. That's my extent of my Idaho knowledge, and Boise, of course.
1: Yeah, he tried. I think he tried to purchase the entire city of Haley, Idaho, and it's basically the residents of Haley, Idaho. I think telling the story about how it all went down. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, John McClain
2: is the guy that's running your fucking town. But speaking of somebody who has a beautiful potato, Sharon Stone was the one that had the number one movie in America with Basic
1: Instinct. Are you calling her? Vagina, potato? Yeah. All right. Hey, uh. Yeah, it's kind of a, you know. Coming, you know I'm coming over, right? I like your potato. Uh, hairy potato there, don't you?
2: But speaking of uh, something that coincides with that potato, Mr. Big has the number one song in America with To Be With You. Yeah.
1: He liked a lot of potato. He liked a lot of potato.
2: Song. Talk about a super group. Yeah. Mr. Big, such a great song. That's all that was going on in and around March the 27th. 1992.
1: Everybody I remember being early 90s hearing that song, being in elementary school, and everybody was like, Is it a man or a woman? Hold on, little girl. Yeah, so all right, let's dribble into the plot that have to do with a potato, too, or... No. Blue Chew. Billy Hoyle is a former college basketball player, a good one. Billy I, Ho! I should mention Billy is white. He's pretty goofy looking.
0: See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now, this guy's a chump, am I right? No, fucking geek. That's a a, fucking, like. geek. a exactly. geek, like right? fucking geek, exactly, all right? What you don't realize is that it ain't easy. It is hard <laughs> goddamn work making something this pretty Look like a chump or a geek. Uh, so I must be doing it for a reason. Well you got me convinced, whatever the reason may be.
1: He runs a hustle where he goes into black neighborhoods, he hustles street ballers who assume he can't play. Billy manages to hustle a street baller named Sydney Dean with an E. He hustles him twice consecutively. When not hustling, Billy and his live-in girlfriend are on the run from mobsters named the they call themselves the Stoochie. Stooky. She calls them Stookie. <laughs> Brothers, because of a seven thousand dollar gambling debt, or eight thousand, seven or eight thousand. Yeah, seven or eight grand. That Billy's accumulated. We we'll get into that later. <laughs> Sydney wants to buy a house for his family and get them out of his rough neighborhood, the Vista View Apartments in the Crenshaw district. Yes. Yeah, so he proposes that Billy work with him to run a hustle as teammates to their mutual benefit. However, the proposition itself was a hustle as Sydney double crosses Billy out of seventeen hundred dollars is so pissed that she goes to sydney's house together gloria and sydney's wife decide they're gonna play together in the local two-on-two tournament not <laughs> not gloria <laughs> no. and sydney's wife i'm gonna get my money
0: all right here's the scenario Rhonda's gonna give me some of the money back and we figured out a way to get the list so what you guys need to do is kiss make up or whatever it is that you do and go play in that tournament together hell no I ain't playing with that son of a bitch. No, baby, look, it's I don't hustle it's with bumping, people like who are it dishonest. It I, I can tell you that right now. He ain't that good to begin with. I can't go out, like man. That's not the fair. Farrakhan disciple, son, you son you of a bitch. bitch you no, know, I ain't. I ain't doing crazy.
1: it. Yeah. So Sydney and Billy enter this tournament. It's the uh, what is it? T B B T C tournament. It's the two on two Brotherhood tournament. Yeah. It's a five thousand dollar prize in this two on two tournament. Twenty five hundred each. However, when Sydney asks Billy about one instance in the finals where Billy didn't dunk the ball. Billy's old gambling addiction kicks in. He bets Sidney his $2,500 share that he can dunk. And guess what happened, kids? He can't dunk. (laughs) He loses his $2,500. Gloria leaves him, which should have happened much sooner. Sooner than the events of the film, even. To get her back, Sidney helps Billy pull some strings to achieve Gloria's biggest dream in appearing on Jeopardy. Uh, Rest in peace, Alex. She kicks a ton of ass and takes Billy back. With a bad song that he sings her.
0: I will never bring you water When you're thirsting in our bed You know I understand dry-mouthedness And I sympathize instead And if you take me back again I won't be such a slob
1: it's a perfect time for Billy to walk the straight and narrow, get a real job like Gloria is asking. But Sydney's house got burglarized and his $5,000 was stolen. So Sydney <laughs> basically tells Billy he owes him a favor for the Jeopardy thing. Yeah. So Sydney needs Billy's help to win a big money game against two streetball legends, the King and the Duck. King and the Duck. That would maybe be okay. But for the buy in, Billy uses $2,000 of Gloria's Jeopardy money that she's given him to get a job. In her words, a lot of money to get clothes. Yes. Billy scores the winning point by dunking. He's excited to return home and tell Gloria all about it. No. But she's left him for good. She's gone. As the movie ends, Billy pays off his debts to the Stoogie brothers.
0: The Stoogie brothers are back. The Stucy-
1: and asks Sydney to get him a job. Let's get into it. Characters, Wesley Snipes as Sidney, Sid Dean, Shelton, Ron Shelton, the director, wanted any guesses? Tell me. Denzel Washington. Wow, I cannot imagine that. But then again, Denzel went on to be in another good basketball movie. He got game. Woody Harrelson as Billy Howe. Billy How. First choice, you want to guess? <laughs> God, I can't imagine. Not a good one. Oh, God. Charlie Sheen. Oh. Well, then again, they have chemistry, Wesley and yeah. Charlie. So Charlie Sheen he turned it down because he didn't think it would be fun as so, opposed to what? Apparently he liked the idea of being Coke? a baseball movie and hanging out with the guys and stuff, but not a basketball movie. The other two considered what a weird: David Duchovny, Keanu Reeves. Whoa! I can not David Duchovny playing basketball? I think Woody Harrelson's perfect. Yeah, I, and
2: he's, I don't I don't know if it's just because because he has that country bumpkin personality. Everybody knows him as Woody.
1: Yeah. Rosie Perez as Gloria Clement. Tay clemente he knows ninja guy dan <laughs> <laughs> tyra farrell as Rhonda dean bunch of other people kareem hart uh sorry kadeem hardison kareem <laughs> what? what are you crying about <laughs> uh Nigel Miguel is Dwight the Flight McGee. Yeah, but Kadeem Hardison, yes. Kadeem Hardison, yeah. Alex Trebek is himself. Dwayne Martin is Willie Lewis, and I'm pretty sure Dwayne Martin's the one who is, has been in like every basketball. Oh, movie. he's damn good at playing some basketball. So, man. which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? Ah, it's Gloria, man. Yeah, she
2: is a strong woman. That's very dumb, but also very smart when it comes to useless knowledge.
0: If I'm thirsty. I don't want you to bring me a glass of water. I want you to sympathize. I want you to say, Gloria, I too know what it feels like to be thirsty. I too have had a dry mouth. I want you to connect with me through sharing and understanding the concept of dry mouthedness.
2: She loves having the sex. Yeah. Like It's not screwing. It's no. We make love or fuck. Fuck. But it looks like she's actually fucking yeah. in this movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she gets into it and as an 11 year old kid when this came out, you
1: know, she's very curvy. Yeah. Very bosomy. Well, it's funny because I Side told you bosoms. while we were watching this because I forget all of those scenes so because I. I watched this on cable. I yeah, was watching so this on like TBS or TNT or HBO. I always watch this on TV. Seeing all these like raunchy sex scenes. I'm like, I forget that these were in here.
2: Which with it being a Ron Shelton movie, imagine if we would have had more raunchier sex scenes in Tin Cup when we covered well, it. Well, we kind of get a couple, but we it's didn't get that Rene Russo oh, side bosom. No,
1: mine, I, I will go. I think this is a first for me. I'm going to say the ancillary and background characters. Oh, they're
2: fantastic. Because
1: everybody in this movie in the backgrounds, like all the extras, the fashion, the guy just, promoting the Marvel. Yeah. The
2: Spider-Man yeah, Punisher. Like
1: everyone else in this movie. <laughs> they're so great. Old like, guy just, with the purple yeah, tights the with the moose knuckle. Yeah, bike shorts. Now, hold on. What were you talking about? Mother, when your mother's so
0: poor, I seen her kicking can down the street. I said, what you doing? She said, moving. Hey, your mama's so old. She used to drive chariots to high school. Oh, shit. But your mama's so fat she fell over, broke a leg, and gravy poured
1: out. The guy who's a security guard who, yeah. you know. Gives-
2: Silk. His real name is Silk Kozart, spelled C-Y-L-K. What in the world? I have never known. We know Silk the Shocker. He only added one K. C-Y-L-K. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Why don't you get some of that money, man? You won from the tournament. Buy yourself some new clothes. Look, Robert, let me ask you something, man. Yeah. Are they still making them TV game shows over there at the studio you work for? All the game shows are done on my lot, baby. All of them. Oh, that is genius, Sydney. She's been trying to get on that lot for weeks. Robert, can you get her on? Nobody gets on my lot without a pass. Nobody. I'm a security guard, man. I take that shit serious.
1: Let's move on to best scenes, find out which scenes made a splash. See what I did there. Jim, you want to go first? Raymond.
0: Nah, nah, fuck this. Both you motherfuckers are crazy. I'm going to my car, get my other gun, shoot everybody's ass.
2: Going to get a gun after he just realized I just got hustled okay, by so a goofy white looking motherfucker. This was the
1: first hustle? Yes. This was the first hustle. After si- after Billy hustled Sydney. Yes.
2: Sidney shows up at Billy's apartment and says, hey, I've never been hustled like that. I'm here for business.
1: So they do the same hustle again.
2: Yeah. So they pick out Billy looking like the goofy white guy. They hustle Raymond and then Raymond fresh out of prison. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to go in my car. I'm going to get my gun. I'm going to kill everybody. I'm going to get my
1: other gun. Cause he goes, so they put up $500 and Raymond only had two fifty dollars that he got from the store clerk. Yeah. So they, they put up $500. Raymond can pick Sydney's teammate. They're obviously going to pick Billy. He's the only white guy there. Raymond says, let me go get my money. Raymond tries to rob the convenience store. And the guy's like, Hey,
0: give me your money. Raymond, that's you.
2: No, 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 this ain't Raymond. Nah. Take off that goddamn mask and put down that gun. Raymond. Is
1: that, is that you? you? No, it's not Raymond. He says, Well, how about you buy my gun? And he says, I'll give you two hundred fifty. So that's all Raymond can come up with. So they beat raymond he threatens to kill everyone they have to hustle out he
2: also has you think okay maybe he has a normal knife maybe a switchblade no he has like a barber's yes shaving razor
1: yeah. which is weird and then just a, a side note i don't know if you're gonna pick this in best scenes but when they leave this this is where we get the whole conversation between you listen to jimmy you can't hear him yeah i had this
2: it's a great one <laughs>
0: I know who it is, but why are you playing Jimmy? Well, because I like to listen to it. Oh, you like to listen? That's what the fucking problem is. Y'all listen. Well, what am I supposed to do, eat it? (laughs) No, 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 you're supposed to hear it. Hey, I just said I like to listen to it. No, 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 there's a difference between hearing and listening. See, white people, y'all can't hear Jimmy. You you, you, you listen. What the fuck are you talking about? His drummer was white. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Jimmy Hendrix drummer was not white. Yes he did. Yo, check it out. See? This is a picture. The whole damn band is white. What's except a- for Jimmy. This is a fucking picture, <laughs> man. This is Airbrush <laughs> bullshit. Jimmy Henderson did not have a white
1: rhythm section. It's a reoccurring theme. Six times later, it's just you hear me or you listening to me. It just keeps coming up. It's such a good one. My first one is the shootout. The first time, like we meet Sydney, so Billy, you know, goes down, does his routine, looks goofy, gets picked to play. There's two points left in the the current game, and the one guy walks off. Yeah he his goes bunions and, man yeah his bunions so he walks off they need somebody to finish the game billy gets selected billy comes in you know they get the final two points he wins so him and did sydney who have been uh trash talking back and forth they basically have like a equivalent of like a soccer shootout basically like, uh, five
2: shots top five of the shots key.
1: yeah from the top of the key they go shot for shot billy makes all five
2: it is this is the big
0: one all the money i've had a lot better players than you before <laughs> do put up no break
1: Sidney misses his fifth after Billy gets in his ear that's when the gears start turning for sydney like i can hustle like we can yeah we can roll venice beach but that scene's great because it's all that it sets the stage for the trash talking and all and you know that whole scenario and then
2: after sydney's place gets robbed go on to the friendship or the brotherhood classic whatever the hell it is and then the whole time this is where billy just amps up oh, the trash it's fantastic. talk like, i'm in a zone i'm in a fucking zone yeah he and just, he just makes all these horrible asinine jokes to willie and flight it's fantastic
0: hey Jump. Yeah, you, potato head. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> is that the best game you got? Because if it is, you better just grab that free t-shirt and head home. Yeah,
2: man, what the hell
0: are you doing, man? You who'd you bring over here? Mighty Mouse? Oh, man, you know wrong, something? You're wrong. too pretty to play basketball. You, you know that? You got that big. Big Z in your fro, Yo, man. man. Come on, what you stop already? Hey, man, what are you, the Black Zorro? <laughs> oh, man, look, what is enough? What? <laughs> hey, no, seriously. Thing. You get your hair cut at the look, Braille Institute? What the fuck is Opie Taylor talking Don't about get up, anyway, uh? Opie Taylor? Opie, hey, I got your Opie, you big bad, gomer, pop, droopy eyed son of a bitch. You you and the cream and wheat man, take your ass back to Mayberry and tell Aim B she better have my bean pies or I'm gonna kick her ass.
2: And it just pisses them off and it's distracting. At one point, they go against these, the only other two white guys that are in this tournament, and he calls them a
0: big, ugly ass ass. off yo -yo 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 yo, yo, yo.
2: I love it. It's the greatest. I love that tournament so yeah, much. Yeah, I
1: have the tournament as well because uh, he the ref much shows up and me. And then Flight and Willie's comebacks are great too because yeah. he calls him Opie. Opie he, Taylor. Yeah, he calls him Opie Taylor. And the ref, yeah, the, the ref. ref. Just, Black, Black
0: ball. Black should ball. ball. Should be, should what, what the, the fuck are we talking ball. about? Black please, ball. Please, I'm you like Jersey not your skin. Oh, I knew
1: you were racist. There's so many fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much covered all of what I have. It's so good. The one little
2: nugget I want to throw there i didn't know this and i know you didn't know this either but apparently during actual jeopardy when gloria answers the mount vesuvius question
0: this volcano's eruption buried the city of pompeii in 79 ad gloria what is mount suvius oh i better get a ruling on that one our judges indicate that that's close enough select again
2: and she says what is mount suvius apparently that wasn't in the script in trebek the man to myth the legend rest in peace rolled with it no she that doesn't
1: count i mean he was probably so wired into doing jeopardy i know. Though, that he just it was just natural for him <laughs> to just do that but
2: the funny thing you said is and i totally agree suvius is not V no. suvius no
1: no absolutely not the it, they, fucking why would they letter. accept it yeah i love it uh, i will say one more is the getting gloria onto jeopardy okay tell
0: you what I'll give you one shot from there. You make it, I'll let your girlfriend on the lot. But if you miss it, I'll get your car. No problem. (laughs) Go. No, 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 no. Billy boy, this is Ghana. You, my friend, are shooting for the Sudan.
1: So big logic issue here. She leaves Billy because he cannot stop blowing the money constantly. He he needs something that will get her back, which we're going to talk about later, but he needs something that really will get her back. So he goes to Sydney. He says, Hey man, I need help. I need your help. The one dude who silk, which I don't know (laughs) his name in the movie, but Robert, Robert. So they go to Robert and at his court where he plays, he happens to be a security guard at the lots where all the game Game shows shows are filmed. So he basically, he begs him, says, Hey, get me on, get Glory on Jeopardy. He Sydney says, does a deal. Yeah, he says, no, I'll owe you big. And he says, No one gets on that show. That's my lot. A pass. So then he says, Okay, you make the shot. She gets on, you miss. I get your car. And then they tell him he's shooting for the Sudan, Sudan. And mm-hmm. he Set. half court or Ho- further hook shot. Yeah. And uh, he makes it. But it's it's one of the best edits ever in a movie because it goes directly from hook shot hitting the they, they shoot it from behind the backboard, which is good. So you're over top of the rim. Ball goes in Jeopardy. This
0: is Jeopardy.
1: It's great. I love it. It's a
2: great edit. But we have a lot to talk about that whole Jeopardy thing later because it's fascinating.
1: All right. I don't remember seeing a swimming pool in this one, but I am certain there might have been at the Vista View.
0: All I care about is getting out of the damn Vista View apartment building because there ain't no Vista. There ain't no views. And there sure as hell ain't no Vista of no views.
1: Yeah, I'm certain there's a swimming pool. But what that means is it's time for a pool check. Pool check! All right, we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of our favorite basketball movies. This is difficult for me. Not the best basketball movies necessarily, just our
2: favorite. And if you guys have an issue, send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook.
1: Or AOL Instant Messenger. Ooh, hear that door slam and open. All right, I will go first. And how about Jim? We'll do it this way. If you've got one that shares with me, just go ahead and do it right then so we can do do all our conversation. Good call. My number one, white men can't jump. I didn't put it on my okay, list. okay. So I it's the iconic basketball movie. I mean, it is about like street basketball, so it's a different type of basketball movie because like other things we've done, you've got basketball movies, but you've got high school basketball, college basketball, pro basketball. A lot of genres. Street ball, you know, you've got a, a number of things. But it's it's iconic. I mean, it's absolutely like it's a, one of the classic Ron Shelton movies. It's the basketball scenes are good. They are great. And so is the story, the premise, everything else. So White men can't jump. My number one, blue chips. All right, I also have Blue Chips. Blue Chips is so damn
2: good. Kind of exposed, and I know at the time, the NCAA was really pissy about this movie because it kind of opened up a can of worms when it came to point-shaving scandals and kids trying to get full rides well, and getting scholarships and giving all these okay, gifts. so
1: I will tell you about Blue Chips, what what made it important to me. It's a 1994 movie. It, I made my dad take me to see it. I don't think he was really that into it. It's Shaq, Penny. Uh, you see Bobby Hurley in the movie. Who played, instead of playing for, they used Indiana. Yeah. And he plays for Indiana, yeah, which I for find Indiana. weird. And then the dude who played Butch McRae, but it's about- No, Ricky Rowe. Oh, Ricky Rowe. I'm sorry, Ricky That's right. Rowe. Butch McRae was Penny. Was Penny. So basically, guys, a uh, uh, a coach at a college, they go and recruit. It makes no sense. We're going to cover this movie, so we'll get yeah. into all this. It makes no sense that Shaq is this incredible, like- But he can only get 800 on his SATs. Yeah, so he's just like this unknown gem. Neon Boudot. Yeah, is it Boudot or Or Boudreau, Something like that. So then... um, Creole. These guys basically want cars and houses and money for their families in order to come to this college, and he agrees to it. But what really sets him over the edge is he finds out one of his players, Tony... Which was his pride and joy. Was shaving points. Yeah. And Tony was like, oh, everybody's doing it. Like, it's fine. He ended up taking money from Happy. Yeah, Happy's this, this <laughs> booster. I mean, I think it's better now than it was at the time. I agree. But it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's For me, it was like a big commercial for Shaq and Penny. All right, my next one. I doubt you've seen this one, Jim. Sunset Park. No, I have not. It's a 1996 movie that probably doesn't age well because it's the white savior trope. Oh, Jesus. So it's an inner city basketball team. They're all flailing and blah, blah, blah. So Rhea Perlman is a Brooklyn school teacher at the school who she's trying to save money to, become, to open a restaurant. That's her dream. So she takes this coaching job as extra money towards saving for this restaurant, but like she whips them into shape, you know, Rhea Perlman's, uh coaching technique brings them together. because yeah,
2: when I think of coaching, I think and of fucking Carla from
1: Cheers. I, this movie's not very accessible, so I'll go ahead and spoil the end. If you don't want spoilers, skip ahead 30 seconds. They make it all the way to, like, the state playoffs, the tournament, you know, it's going well. There's great, like, montage scenes of them winning and winning in different ways and buying in. And then... They miss the buzzer beater in the final game. And, like, at that time, not a lot of movies did the you know the, you that, the sad ending you yeah. know like it's the winning shot it's like what sports movies do they fucking miss the winning shot at the buzzer so i was like awesome i love that movie i haven't watched it in a long time so it might suck now i don't know the next one is the i'd have to say the damn near godfather
2: of basketball movies and that's hoosiers oh yeah Hoosier's is goddamn thing that I'm pretty sure is saved in like the Smithsonian or whatever. Yeah,
1: I I Gene Hackman was getting ready to send apology letters out because I was like, I'm not picking Hoosiers. Yeah. And I was like, so I hope Jim does, because if not, how can we have a basketball list?
2: It's just a, a coach who goes against the grain of Indiana basketball, who says, listen, we could be successful, but we play my way. And then the whole town wants him gone because he's not doing it the way they want, and he shocks
1: the system. And they have a player named Jimmy Chitwood. I know. He's not there the whole time, but he's the the megastar on the team. He is. My final one is The Sixth Man. 1997 movie directed by Randall Miller, who directed... Class act, really, which we covered on the podcast. Yeah, so two brothers, Antoine and Kenny, they have this lifelong dream that they want to play basketball together. They're very tight. They're brothers. A and K all day is their thing. They go to Washington University together, University of Washington, to play for the Huskies. They like love it. Antoine's the star. Kenny's like a sidekick. During the game, Antoine goes to dunk the ball. Fucking dies of a heart attack because he has a heart defect he didn't know about. Just dies on the court. Well, the team's obviously devastated and Kenny's devastated. How is he going to go on and play without his brother? Except brother comes back as a fucking ghost and his brother (laughs) helps them do all these like makes their shots go in, you know, pulls down like defenders pants, like just slapstick type stuff. Leads them all the way to the finals of the NCAA tournament where Kenny has to make the tough decision whether to allow his brother to continue to interfere or whether he gets to do it on his own i love it like i used to love sixth man i watched it probably a year ago I, think I might have saw it once but when it came out saw it in theaters but i saw it i watched it probably a year ago on vhs and uh yes yeah, they like it
2: so my final two then technically kind of documentaries okay hoop dreams yes which absolutely fucking just arthur ag yeah just two guys from the polar opposites of the track trying to get all well, their hoop dreams to come true and it looks like i can't remember the other guy the other kid's name yeah,
1: it, shit a very important film also just in terms of like independent documentaries as a documentary it is unbelievable it's whether stellar. you like basketball or not i mean william gates is the that's other one. it that's it william yeah. gates and arthur ag yeah so unbelievable
2: it's one of the seminal documentaries If you, i mean any sports documentary is fantastic but my final one is another sports Documentary, but it's part of a thirty for thirty ESPN special. Kevin, you'll appreciate this. It's called One Brothers that involve Vladi Divac and Drazen Petrovic right. and how basketball bonded their religious differences between Serbia and Croatia That's during awesome. the whole Bosnian War. It's fucking amazing. Kevin and I love. Vlady Divac Big time love Vladi Divac And probably If it wasn't for him Dying so early So young Drazen Petrovic Had the The skill The way he played There's no doubt in my mind That he would have been A Hall of Famer yeah. Petrovich just was throwing shit up from 25 yeah. feet and sinking it. But he played for the Nets.
1: All right. Let's mention some others because there's a lot of uh, basketball movies. ton. Teen Wolf. Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell, yep. which a lot of people love. Not my favorite. Not uh, that great. So when we talked about, when we did Empire Records, we talked about, I worked at a store with bunch of our friends you know we sold movies and records and whatever well i literally the most requested movie ever every day multiple people looking for this movie love and basketball oh my god yeah it's uh, uh for whatever reason i mean i've never seen it yeah but it's pretty good but it's just it's a, ro- it's a romantic yeah it's yeah. just it was crazy because every day it was like you have love in basketball. Every day. He got game we mentioned earlier. Of course. Basically Ray, Ray Allen, Allen. Jesus Shuttleworth. Fantastic performance. Has a great name, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Great soundtrack. Above the rim, that's another one. We probably have to send some letters out because we didn't include it. <laughs> well, you know what else came off
2: of Above the Rim, speaking of soundtracks? Regulators.
1: Come yeah. on. Above the Rim's a, a great movie. Um basically takes white men can't jump. And More serious. Makes it serious, you know, Fair. takes the street ball thing. And Tupac. Tupac's in it, yep. Another kind of inner city, very serious one, Slam Dunk Ernest. <laughs> <With> <laughs> Ernest P. Whirl. <laughs> the Air Up There, Kevin Bacon. Uh, I don't j- remember it very much. I vaguely remember it. Space Jam 1 and 2. Yeah. Uncle Drew. Uncle Drew. The Kyrie oh, Irving fuck. movie. High Flying Birds, an interesting one. Steven Soderbergh shot completely on an iPhone about a number a number one draft pick and the kind of the hyper-realism life that comes with being a number one draft pick. I
2: got one that's a very long Hail Mary for you. Opposite sport. Amazing Grace
1: and Chuck. Don't know what that is.
2: Okay, technically, not a real basketball movie. However, it's about this kid. It's like this 12-year-old kid, I believe, in Idaho who wants to speak out against he's deciding not to go to school anymore and he's making national headlines because he's against the builds up of nuclear war and stuff like that. Wow. This professional basketball player who is Alex English played for the Nuggets, sees this and says, I'm not going to play in one more professional game until people listen to this kid and then all the stockpiles start going away. That's interesting. So it's a. Re- it came out in 87, 88. It was really like well known at the time, but
1: yeah, not a really direct basketball movie, but okay, another serious one, Air Bud. And serious one, Air Bud. One that literally is too serious is The Basketball Diaries. Okay, that movie fucked me up when I first yeah, saw that. The title, The Basketball Diaries, makes it seem like, oh, it's this. No. No. It's, it's Leo doing sex favors getting, for drugs. Yeah, getting abused by his coach. Fuck. Um, there's a bunch. Like, so you've got... Uh, Eddie. Yeah. With you got Joanna Man. Uh, my Giant. Uh, Celtic Pride. You ever see that one? Which is I fucking love it. They,
2: they kidnap Damon Wayne's character from the Jazz so the Celtics can win the championship. Yeah.
1: It's, it's Dan Aykroyd and Daniel Stern.
2: Yeah. And yeah. the twist in that movie, spoiler alert, he gets away and he says, I won't turn you guys in, but you have to make sure you pull for the Jazz. And if the Jazz don't win, you guys are going to prison for kidnapping me. That yep. was the caveat. All
1: let right, right. Let's, uh, let's get everyone back in the pool. It is March in California. That's right.
2: Everybody back in the pool.
1: All right. Critical question. I actually have two. Sometimes I do two. I'm sorry. All right. First, greatest fictional basketball player of all time. Whoa. I'll go first. Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah. what's well, fucking Ray Allen. He was the number one high school recruit in the country in realistic because I'm not going to do like Lola Bunny or nothing. yeah I would say off the top of my head my starting five would probably be Billy Hoyle at the point Antoine Tyler from six man at the two Jesus Shuttlesworth at the three Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers can he get away with playing four
2: You yeah, could maybe get a good power forward
1: five is Neon Boudreaux I mean fuck there's no no denying Neon Boudreaux from Blue Chips
2: God are you going to put me on the spot to do a five well no,
1: I'm just going to put you on the spot to do one I'll Who's do one coach? right
2: now it's Scott Howard because he could turn into a fucking wolf <laughs> so I would put Sky put a wolf at the, the point Uh, but yeah Jesus Christ this is the thing about Teen Wolf I love the most he's like I'm not gonna do the wolf anymore I'm gonna do it for me and my best friend whose name is Booth Booth. for the longest time as a kid I thought her name was Booth like (laughs) why is he calling her after something you sit on in a restaurant John Wilkes Booth (laughs) but I never understood why he called Booth but yeah me a guy I could turn into a fucking wolf i
1: love this scene when he transforms too because they're all like like battling over a rebound and he just springs uh, out of it yeah and he's a wolf and he's like what we're gonna play but then it becomes human and like not that it becomes human then it becomes just normal like all right he's a wolf yeah it's cool He can surf on top of a van great song all right that your that that's your best fictional basketball player is the Wolf. all right so the next uh
2: <laughs> no if we if you if you want to get super serious the best fictional basketball player by far in my opinion can neon budo
1: i mean yeah. come on man I, it doesn't get better than shaq and blue shaq Chip- revolutionized the fucking game yeah and blue chips is awesome because it ends with him in the nba what do we think happens to billy hoyle after the events of white men can't jump end
0: i will guarantee victory Okay, I've never offered that before. I will guarantee victory.
2: Sydney got him a job. Billy has no money, so I'm only assuming that he's staying with Sydney and his wife and his son at the Vista View apartments. But what kind of job? I mean, I guess he's just going to be a laborer for Sydney, putting together roofs that apparently you can't say that you're going to be doing in Southern California. Apparently, you need all these other permits. Where, but yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. He's just working for the
1: final moments, the final seconds of this movie concern me because Gloria leaves him because ultimately he cannot stop he is such a degenerate. She gives him $2,000 and he says, don't, I don't trust myself. She's like, I trust you. It's like, you stupid idiot. Yeah. But I think he basically never sees Gloria again. No, she's, she's gone. gone. She's and finally no gone. way to contact her except for maybe 20 years later after Facebook's invented Jeopardy
2: tournament of champions. Yes.
1: And then I think Billy probably eventually stumbles around until he coaches high school basketball.
2: I could see him being a high school. Basketball I mean, he coach.
1: had. He played college ball. Yep. And he's a good player. I could see him coaching high school basketball, or but, at least a boys and girls club. But if he coaches high school basketball, I still see him as being the um, happy hour coach. Has a corner bar, maybe yeah. called Cheers. <laughs> but uh no, he has a corner bar he goes to every day. He's still kind of a a loser.
2: But could you inevitably see Billy fucking over Sydney and his family because of his fucking gambling
1: habits? Maybe. I mean, I just I think he he's basically left to wallow in his misery forever. He has because to. all he's gonna think about for the rest of his life is the one that got away. The one that got away. And maybe he gets a girlfriend, and maybe you know, he but I think I just see him living in like a crappy apartment and not caring. That's fine. And the high school basketball thing is like it allows him to be around the game, you know, although he might be placing bets on high school basketball. <laughs> but, but let's be honest though. Is Gloria really the best type of
2: girlfriend for Billy? No. She
1: is a cash cow for him. Let's move on to logic. Oh, it could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Dave, and I don't want to play you with basketball. <laughs> let's talk about Gloria. Yeah, I don't is get it. Is she... That dumb? Not that... Like, she is a huge enabler, and... Oh, that's a ridiculously an understatement. Let's go back to the beginning, because I had confusion about this. The story goes, and we find out at Sydney's apartment when Gloria's talking to Sydney's wife. The story goes... Well,
0: throughout our glorious life together, I bought a car from the Stookie Brothers for three grand turned out to be a piece of shit, and I didn't want to pay. So they told Billy, unless he got the money back for them, they would cut me up. So of course, he had to figure out a way to get the money back. Well, the Stookies decided that they were going to fix a basketball game. Billy agreed, but halfway through, he got pissed off and he didn't throw it, and the Stookies lost the bundle.
1: So now, they lost their asses. I don't know if some of the money's been paid back or none of it or whatever. Yeah, they so don't they disclose now it. still owe the seven or $8,000. So they're pretty much on the run. Wouldn't Gloria have just left i mean she does she feel responsible for getting me into the mess over the car
2: i don't think she feels responsible i just think it's so routine to her that she knows no other life all she does is read almanacs and deal with billy and
1: she drinks and she drinks a lot yes so she stays home while he goes off and plays basketball while he's trying to get them the money but she doesn't work either no she doesn't know it's not like She has a job and he doesn't. And maybe that's because they're on the run. So the thing about the Stuckey brothers also is the Stuckey brothers lead them to believe that they're going to kill them.
2: That's what they go through the whole time. They
1: carry around a portfolio of pictures that incriminate themselves if they were to get pulled over. But the photos are supposedly of their victims that are used to intimidate you know like all their future offenders as well we learned they're not actually killing any of these people they don't they just set up the photos they're staging the photos but they're definitely involved in criminal activity like loan sharking fixing games we know that for a fact yeah but they're not murderers so it's just gloria's involvement in this is weird and then she continues to enable you know enable billy and like it's weird because if Gloria does feel responsibility to Billy for getting him involved in this, the first day she's on Jeopardy, she wins $13,000. $14,100. You just paid off the Gone. Stooky Brothers, plus you have $6,000 left over.
2: But we get into Gloria logic. Let's just jump into Gloria and Jeopardy. Let's jump into the whole Jeopardy thing. Before we get into the main crux of the Jeopardy thing, she says later on...
0: If I can win 12000 each week, right? Times five plus 20 for the annual title that'll give us 80 grand
2: we're rolling now they could make a fortune if she continues to win $6,000 Six thousand dollars a week at Jeopardy. Twelve thousand a week. Or twelve thousand a week at Jeopardy. That's five days total. She just won fourteen thousand bucks. So And
1: the guy that she beats, who's the former Jeopardy champion, they said he's won twelve thousand dollars a day for three days. Three days. So her
2: logic and her so numbers. The average are
1: is twelve thousand a day. Twelve thousand a day,
2: five days a week. So that's sixty grand. To her, that's just twelve thousand for the week. Yeah. So that makes no fucking sense. But even before that, and the biggest thing that makes no sense is Why doesn't Billy admit to Gloria that he got her the pass to get her on to jeopardy? That's my number one logic issue. What the hell? So
1: I have so many issues with that. One, he the whole plan is that he needs to get her back. That's the way to get her back. Her dream is to be on Jeopardy. So if he gets her on Jeopardy, he probably gets her back. Yeah. But instead, he shows up to Jeopardy and gets her back by singing her a song. A she horrible didn't song. She know that she he was going to be there. No. Why didn't he tell her? So then she wins on Jeopardy. They're having a great time. They're on the beach. They're laying si- in bed. Sydney shows up. Yeah. And says, "Hey, you owe me a favor. You need to play against King and Duck. It's twenty five hundred dollars. King and Duck." And Gloria says, "Basically, if you play in that game, I'll I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. But right there, perfect opportunity." gloria i don't want to rain on your parade i got you on jeopardy sydney got you on jeopardy for getting you on jeopardy i owe sydney this favor but even before that when they were laying in bed after they made love or screwed her
0: fuck
2: yeah she literally says
0: tell me the truth you didn't think that jeopardy was gonna call did you must confess i didn't
2: why couldn't he said honey I need to be honest with you. Sydney owed me a favor. I did this and I got you the pass to be on Jeopardy or even
1: before it's, that. It's like uh dramatic, it's, it's, it's an example of dramatic irony in the way that we know the audience knows that he got her on Jeopardy, but he in a way is such a good boyfriend that he lets her believe she was right. The Jeopardy would call. Yeah. But if he would have just told her that jeopardy called because of him he's still with her what if he just showed up to wherever she was
2: staying at the time and showed the past yes honey i love you or she opened it up a present and goes what is this shit another fucking dress and it's the past yeah just something simple like that another big thing that doesn't make sense is when they play robert and his buddy who's wearing the horribly bad magic johnson jersey their biggest insult to billy is go back to sea world
0: vote for y'all yes y'all go back to
1: sea world
2: yeah sea world what the fuck is with SeaWorld? is there something like racial thing that i don't the know about only, sea world
1: the only like thing that i could possibly put together is and this is a stretch when you shoot like a, a shot and it swishes, sometimes it's called splash. So I'm like, okay, if they splashed, go back to SeaWorld. I'm like, I going to say,
2: go, splash mountain at that fucking boy. I have
1: no idea. I never understood the SeaWorld thing. What happens to their car?
2: There's another major, major so issue.
1: They have a nice car. It's a classic. They get around fine without the car because we see them take a bus. We see Billy walk.
2: But here's the thing. You need to add the big thing was when the Stookies first find them in their first yes. apartment, they bail without the car. Yeah, they run on foot. They stay at this Ocean Breeze motel, this rundown dump off a of main drag. And then the Stookie or they have to go back and go, school, oh, wants to get the money from Sydney. All of a sudden, they decide to take public transportation. Yes. You never see the car in the parking lot. Mm -mm. Then all of a sudden, poof. Later on, when Billy shows up to tell Sydney at his office, a.k.a. Mexican food stand place, he shows up in the car. Where was the car the entire fucking time?
1: The only thing, maybe there's a scene where they don't want to go back because they think the Stookies will be like looking for them to come back to their apartment. But then why didn't the Stookies just take the car as leverage and sell it, get the money? Exactly. Why didn't they bite the bullet and say, take our car? As collateral You know Or sell their car And give them that money At the time What do you think You could have got for that car At least three grand Four grand I don't know anymore Yeah at least Still yeah, At least Half the money right there Because yeah. the most money They have before they get Double-crossed They have $1,700 Out of $8,000 mm-hmm. you, you got a while You guys aren't making That well of progress Especially with one of you Having a, a major gambling problem Exactly And the other With a huge alcohol problem Apparently uh, Another one Just a, a, a throwaway When Billy Tells them. To stopped the car there's a basketball hoop at like a closed car dealership not just a closed one it looks like it's been abandoned for years yeah so he can't dunk he tries it three times he can't he says you know sydney takes his money well that's the logic it's not money it is a check we specifically saw addressed, a, addressed to billy hoyle to billy hoyle and here is your check sydney man, dean does
2: that, that you look you like me? me hey man oh well, this is hey mine what is you trying to you do know,
1: how does sydney dean cash a check for, For Billy Ho. Hoyle. Yeah, makes no sense. How does he cash the check? And then uh, finally, there's a lot of continuity stuff. I mean, any sports movie you watch, there's like scenes where you oh. see the ball hit the rim and it's obviously going towards Billy, but then they do a wide shot and then it goes to somebody else.
2: Or with them playing half court basketball, they don't really clear the zone. Yeah. Traveling, there's, double dribble there's issues. There's stuff on
1: Jeopardy where um you can see like some of the categories are blank and like they answer before they read the question. And the scores, they make it look like Gloria is on this roll without anybody else getting a chance to answer, but yet the guys next to her have more money all of a sudden.
2: The funny thing, too, about that in the foods that start with the letter Q, which she knows seven of them.
0: Foods that start with the letter Q. She knows seven foods that start start with Q.
2: Kevin, seven. Five years after this movie came out, they had the same category to show up on Jeopardy. All the questions, all the same answers. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty cool.
1: Uh, What's the legacy of this movie? You got any more logic first off? No, that okay. was, so, I mean, God,
2: those were the major cruxes.
1: Yeah, what's the legacy? I would say it really launched Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes went on to be in like everything here for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson, he was kind of just hanging on as like the seventh guy on Cheers. Yeah, and then this and then Natural Born Killers. And then he kind of went away yeah but he's still killing it. he's now, doing everything now now he's great and then uh heavily quoted god yeah i mean we talk about the mama all jokes the time. yeah mama jokes like all, all that stuff any any other legacy you think from this one it's just great memories it's one of the man. better basketball
2: movies ever it's just so many good memories are wrapped up in this movie how can you not love this movie
1: All right, we've got, uh, I think, a number of things to discuss in the final lap, but first, stick around for some plugs.
0: Hi, this is Dick Clark. You know, I've had the pleasure of bringing you American Bandstand now for golly almost 40 years, and since you and I have come to know each other so well, I'd like to invite you to the biggest party yet American Bandstand's 40th anniversary special. We'll take a look at the legends of music from yesterday, as well as the superstars of today. And as America's oldest living teenager, I can tell you, I've built up a whole lifetime of memories we can
2: share together. We'll see you.
0: American Bandstands 40th Anniversary Special,
2: Wednesday. From News Channel 5, Cleveland's live 24-hour news source continues. Pool Sceners, once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pool Scene Podcast. And as always, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean. Smash that like button with unbridled enthusiasm and make sure you spread the word of the Pool Scene Podcast to one and all. Go over to Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. Join the Pool sceneers group. You guys want to win some free stuff? Maybe make a suggestion about an episode or two? Let us know. Join today. Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast and TikTok. We're trendy with the kids, y'all. At Pool Scene Pod One. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now
1: back to Kevin. Hit it. Final lap, man. Yeah. The final lap. yeah. I always think that we're going to get some lyrics that are like, you never walk, you <laughs> never run. Okay. Uh, you want to know a
2: little trade secret with the final app theme song? That was actually, cause I'm a big formula one fan, as you know, when Galval Boino, who was the Portuguese announcer for formula one in of Brazil. Course, sure. Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Every time a Brazilian won, this was called the Brazilian victory theme. But then when Senna started winning all the time, it just became the Senna victory Theme. Huh. So that's what this is. No, Interesting. no lyrics.
0: Vai pra reta, vai pra vitória, Mirali Hidazzi, Ayrton, 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 Ayrton cena do Brasil!
1: you're a winner Uh, (laughs) and bush so something that i very very much need to address and correct i feel terribly about it it may have been in the pulp fiction episode where i mentioned that will smith could be in the running for best actor yeah i mistakenly thought it was a period piece or like shakespeare thing i cannot apologize enough i watched king richard it's the movie that tells the bonkers true story of the father of venus and serena williams okay along with their wife and three other daughters, Will Smith and John Bernthal are fucking stellar. Both of them should win an Oscar. I've heard about that. And it's, it's like a nineties classic sports movie. The way it it plays, it's, it feels like everything I loved. White Men Can't Jump and Mighty Ducks and Sunset Park and all these movies that I loved in the 90s. It really feels like that.
2: I always thought it would be interesting to how Will Smith would pull off a Richard Williams because yeah. Richard Williams is always a weird guy.
1: He's very strange. He would hold the signs, yeah. you know, and uh, shout out to my friends in, in Compton. Uh, but, yeah, the movie's a lot like a 90s sports movie. I cannot say enough good things about it. It's available on HBO Max right now. So if you've got HBO Max, I would really, really suggest it. It's, it's fantastic. It's absolutely worth I'll have to check that out. Will Smith was also in the news this week for something else. <laughs> yes. you, you want to mention
2: it? <laughs> oh, why not? Will Smith, and this wasn't even what I was going to bring up, but this is too good not to mention. Will Smith mentioned he used to have so much sex that psychologically he would throw up. He was repulsed by himself. He was repulsed so much that every time he
1: would finish, he'd vomit.
0: Welcome to Earth.
1: Now- Buck. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. The weirdest used to be this like wholesome. Perfect. Will Smith was the, the polite rapper guy. Yep. And he's the fresh Prince. And Jada. And then Jada, she, you know, she dated Tupac, which is a, I think a big source of where all their problems started because everybody points out, she just congratulated him for something. And she literally said, congratulations, Will Smith. She refers to her husband by his full first and last name, but she calls Tupac Pac when Pac and I, I, and when I was with Pac, but it's her husband is Will Smith. When Will Smith puked on me, <laughs> yeah, orgasm, you know, and they, it, this stuff comes out constantly. Like a few years ago, they announced they're getting divorced and they didn't get divorced. And it's just, they are fucking sex. Fiends. It's like, I text you and I was like, I have to avoid it at all costs because it's like, you know, Will will be like, Hey, will tell us about King Richard and playing Richard Williams. And he'll be like, <laughs> he'll be like, uh, Jada fucked a bus boy. So now I got to shit and play and Cause I have a, r- a fear of restrooms. <laughs> Okay, we didn't ask you that well. I'm sorry. So, yeah, super weird. Welcome to Earth. Yes. What's your next one? My next one an update. Update. So, Gabby's Dollhouse. Yeah. I can finally say what it is Gabby's Dollhouse, because I'm no longer looking for one. Again, I had. People on the inside looking for me at Target, Walmart, and so on. Tell me, listen, you're fucked. You're not getting beyond. You're not getting one. It's not happening. You know, I think the thing that sealed it for me is I was looking on, on, i was desperate enough to look on Twitter. Yeah. Hoping like, okay. By search hashtag, somebody's selling one on Twitter, a dream can, will come true. I can DM them. But somebody like a verified account was like, you have a better chance at starting a trillion dollar startup than you do getting a Gabby's dollhouse this Christmas. Guess like, what, motherfucker? So this uh, guy had one on, on Marketplace, which I actually watched for almost a week because I was like. It's a little steep, you know. The the Gabby's Dollhouse retails for fifty five. The bedroom sets are fifteen each. There's three of those. Get ready for this. The kids. other toys are twelve each. There's a bunch of other stuff that we don't really yeah, need. Ticky tack. So I paid three hundred dollars yeah. and drove an hour. <laughs> Oh. to meet a and i i can return about fifty dollars worth of stuff that i already have not that it makes it that i pay any less for it still but i met up with a fireman and his story was that um his wife they have a niece that's about the same age as their daughter and a lot of times they want the same stuff makes sense so his wife pretty much and they seem to have money but his wife's she pretty much buys two of everything just in case she does the shopping for her sister you know if if they see it so they're in store right place right time they see two of everything and they buy them all and he was like well i'm really just asking you know what they're going for on amazon and at that point i'm like i don't care it it, i was going to walmart and target every day yeah and i was stressing out and you know more days are ticking away till christmas i'm like okay even if they end up being in the stores before christmas i'll pay for that peace of mind for the stress to be done i have it you know as long as no one robs me i'm fine so that problem has been solved everybody but one thing that happened this
2: week is the most fucked up thing ever. Kevin and I are big wrestling fans if we have talked, but we gave up watching WWE because it's shitty. Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. However, as WWE superstar Seth Rollins is leaving the ring, this guy, this 24-year-old guy named Elisa Spencer of Brooklyn comes from what seemed to be two fucking football fields and then proceeds... To tackle and attack Seth Rollins. Now Seth displaced the dude. Put him in a hurt lock. Put him down. All the security came down. That was good. The reason was. And WWE said we will prosecute this guy to the fullest extent of the law. Which it should. No security over there to stop the guy. This guy admitted that the reason he did it. Was he was catfished by a fake Seth Rollins account. And wanted his money back. He told the cops. By the way. I got one big thing here. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Logic issue within this story. How you know it's not a fake
1: account? There's a fucking blue check mark by it, you fuck. When something like this happens. Jesus. You just have to say, okay, that person has uh, some screws loose. You know, they need some. That guy that attacked Bret Hart at the Hall of Fame. Yes, They, they need some help help yes very much because everybody's aware wrestling is not real i mean back in the day this type of thing would happen but people thought it was real it's not real it's very public that it's not real so you're like what would work up someone enough to attack a wrestler guys
2: watch this video it's everywhere but here's the thing Seth could have, by all rights, oh, yeah. just laid this fucker out yeah. permanently. Yes. Could have, but he didn't. No. And we've seen it in the past where, well, guys jump in the ring with these wrestlers and they fuck them up and when, they have every right when to. When I was
1: wrestling, there was, um they called them the Adams family. There was a family that had come to events and they had tried to get in the ring several times and didn't learn the lesson apparently. But we were trained. If somebody crosses that threshold, game on. You're within your rights to to defend yourself to defend yourself i wonder if wwe wrestlers are now being coached to not like stomp them and punch them because they can get turned around and get sued yes but just rather to subdue them which so seth rollins in my opinion needed the best thing anyway but you don't want you do want them to get fucked up in a way because you want that to be a warning to anybody else who thinks about well the thing too was Seth did not see him coming at all he got blindsided he looked like he came out like as a wrestler he came from the ramp from behind us. pretty
2: fucked up what's your next one
1: my final one on the final lap is uh, rest in peace to young Dolph Yeah. so he was a 36 year old rapper who we had stumbled across a video on YouTube everybody it's very funny because it's just naked women in a mansion and it was just on like regular YouTube just like vaginas and boobs it was the biggest oversight ever it was nuts I think it's called one at all yes young Dolph though went on he like he was he's been on everyone's tracks as a big rapper he's not everyone's cup of tea but as a man he would donate so much money to local schools. And
2: I never knew about this.
1: He was with the same woman. I mean, a lot of rappers have a reputation, unfortunately, as just like sleeping around and having kids with multiple women and stuff. Not Dolph him. had a family with a woman that they were together for a long time. He was a family man. He liked to stay home. He didn't like to go out. He had charities. I mean, he just gave away a lot of money. And he was actually at a, a local cookie shop that was named for a girl in the area who was a, a cancer patient. And they named a cookie shop after. So young Dolph was at this cookie shop buying cookies for his mom. And it just like proves that when you are successful that it is sometimes the people who should support you most in your own community that are the ones that have it out for you. Yeah. Jealous assholes. Jealous. Can't be happy for him. And uh, so while he was at this cookie shop, he was gunned down and unfortunately killed. And thankfully a lot of these stories are coming out about how great of a human he was. Videos showing him and, you know, giving him to charity and stuff. And, And thankfully the other Um, victim in this is the cookie shop because he was inside Uh, when they opened up fire on this cookie shop and pretty much destroyed this business. Well, they've raised enough money. They've opened a second location temporarily while the other one gets repaired but they've opened another location through donations and they are doing extremely well and that's a lot good. of people are showing support for the cookie store yeah but that's like that man rest in peace it's, young Dolph man yes, rest in peace is awful I mean again saying how great of a person he was and all the charity he did and everything it isn't aside because even if he's shitty he doesn't deserve to be killed no. for being a rapper you know he literally was like shot because he's a su- successful rapper you know he didn't really have enemies but just a bonus that he was that's such a good, good dude. No, but that's how we remember
2: Young Dolph, everybody. And the video is on Vimeo. Yeah. So Go check the out Vimeo video. And watch
1: one at all. Hopefully. If you got
2: any young kids around, put, put them away. Yes. They don't need to see it. Big game this Saturday. Oh yeah. Big game. Ohio State, Michigan. Go blue, baby.
1: This is the year. This, I will tell you, this is the best chance you've had in about 20 years. Tell me about it. Because I'm an Ohio State fan. Jim's a Michigan fan. The one thing Michigan has this year that they haven't since the last time they beat Ohio State is a pass rush. We have probably two first round guys. Yeah, yeah you have two. One's top 10, top yeah, 15 type far. pick, but um, you have two pass rushers. Damn and good running back. That's how you beat Ohio State is if you get to shroud because Ohio State's receivers, it's unfair. It's an embarrassment of riches. They yeah. are... They have three legitimate first round talent wide receivers who are unbelievable. No cornerbacks, I don't care how good you are, are going to lock all three of those guys down. No way. You might lock down, you know, Olave out there, but then you've, you know, it's just not. Lo- so. The way to combat that, we rush the passer. So it'll be interesting. It's it's going to be probably better than of a game than it's been recently, but we'll see.
2: And plus, Kevin and I Saturday are planning on having a bro sumbler party. So that'll make it even more bigger, especially if Michigan wins.
1: Fucking finally, I'm not coming. I'm gonna cancel.
2: I don't count that. Oh, was it 09 when Ohio State was on suspension? They were a horrible team. I don't count that as a victory. It's been since the early 2000s. It's, yeah. we need this. And wow. that'll probably get us into the college football playoffs. It would.
1: So. I think it would if you win, if you, you know, if...
2: Uh, now, do I see us winning a national championship? No, Georgia is too damn good.
1: Yeah, that's the, yeah. But I, I think
2: the NCAA is going to pull chicanery when it comes to Alabama, though, because I think they'd put a two loss Alabama over an undefeated Cincinnati. That's just me.
1: I do too, even though Cincinnati's in up. right now. Money talks. If there's eight, If there were eight teams, if they expanded the playoffs, no one has any issue because then no. Cincinnati okay they get blown out in the first round fine who cares if they don't get blown out in this the first round and they advance great that's best case scenario but eight teams gives you exactly a little margin so hopefully they'll do that well yeah we'll see go blue everybody 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 in the country that listens <laughs> please go <laughs> michigan but until next week silencia